This is Buddy Pearson in for Karen Likens. Today we're talking sports psychology, coaching, and what it means to be a Golden Eagle with Tennessee Tech Associate Professor of Exercise Science, Physical Education and Wellness, Lanice Rosemond. Lanice, welcome to Local Matters. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. So let's get into a little background with you. Uh, how long have you been at Tennessee Tech? I've been here 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've been here 10 years. And what brought you to Tennessee Tech? You know, it's funny, um, Buddy. <laughs> I used to be a college basketball coach. And to be honest with you, I was coaching at UT Martin. Now, UT Martin people out there, I love you. God bless you. But uh, your uh, your mascot is uh, a mystical bird. And so I'm not trying to be funny. And so I'm not putting you down. And those of you graduated from there, it's a phenomenal school. Um, okay, so the Skyhawks. I love you, Skyhawks, but come on. I'm a golden eagle. Right. Nothing's better than that. You know what I mean? So I'm telling you, I mean, it's just like, I I know this might sound really strange, but we have dreams, right? You guys ever dream about something? You eat a big burger or something. You wake up the next day. You're like, what does that dream come from? Was that the spaghetti I ate? Was it the cheese? Was it the pizza? What was it? I kept having dreams about eagles. Okay. And I was like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. Okay. And so um, at the time I was transitioning from coaching and I knew I wanted to go back in the classroom because let's be real. In the classroom, I get to make a bigger impact because there's more students. My teams that I've coached over the years, 15, 12 players, whatever, right. that's fine. I'm still in connections with them. But in the classroom, you know, you might have 25, 35, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I knew I wanted to go back in the classroom. And so things just begin to happen where things were, where things shift for me to be able to go back into the classroom. And this opportunity came through. And um, I'm telling you, I, when I first looked at the job description and I saw um, what was being offered, I was like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? You know, how am I going to do this? And. Honestly, things just begin to pull through, and I took the job, and um, I'm here. I was dreaming about eagles, and now I don't get to dream. I get to fly. <laughs> now you are a Come on eagle. now. I soar. <laughs> well, uh, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yes, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As a matter of fact, I went to a school. Um, my high school was called Westinghouse High School, Westinghouse Academy. Last year, I was fortunate enough to be inducted into their Hall of Fame um, for, you know, thank you. Thank you for sports um, and for, uh, you know, academia reasons for earning a doctor degree and a lot of things that I've done in the community. As a matter of fact, um, a few years back, I would say it was about right before I came here, um, I think it was around maybe 2003, I went back and did an internship when I was working on my doctorate. I got my, well, actually my master's degree when I got my master's from Florida A&M and I had to go get my um, internship. And I did one back home with a mentoring partnership program. And um, I had an opportunity to do some things in the city. And it was it was probably one of the greatest honors to be able to be recognized from your hometown. So, I'm, you know, Stiller Nation, I hope you guys like me. I'm just saying, even though I'm, I'm not so Stiller Nation, I always will be. But don't. Yeah. Anyway, we have that's what sports is ups yeah. and down, ups and downs. But anyway, um, yeah. So uh, it just was an honor. So I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and um, born and raised. Yeah. How did you get from Pittsburgh to, to Martin, Tennessee? Oh, my goodness. Martin, Tennessee. How did we recruit anybody to come to Martin, Tennessee? Uh, I'm from West Tennessee, and I, I ask that question all the time. Yeah, well, you know what? My personality, let's be honest with, let's be honest with you, buddy. I mean, if I can get in front of a parent and a yeah. kid, they're coming, to, they're coming to the university. I'm just being honest with you. 90% of them do. Right. I haven't lost an athlete at Tennessee Tech. I'll be honest with you. Like, when it, whenever they would bring athletes over to yeah. talk to me, and I don't, I don't work for athletics, okay? I work for exercise science. Right. physical education and wellness department but because i coach you know um some of the coaches over the years a lot of them they were bring athletes away and 
they would text me back and just be like, we got them. You got them. We got them. And I never, I never lost to one. Okay. Because that's what, so at UT Martin, that's how we were recruiting. Just bring them. I'll get them. And it's not, I'm not trying to manipulate nobody. I tell kids this, I say, listen, listen, if you don't think our school's a fit, because this is a big decision, you might meet your future spouse here. You might, uh, your person you're going to connect up with. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is a life decision, but let's be real. Would you rather be a golden eagle or whatever else these other mascots are? I'm not trying to be funny, but the eagle's the baddest bird out. (laughs) This is Buddy Pearson. Today we're talking with Lenise Rosemont on Local Matters about coaching. Let's talk about some coaching. So when you were playing basketball up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, did you know then you wanted to be a coach? I did. I did. I already knew I wanted to be a health and physical education uh, teacher. Yeah. My high school basketball coach, her name is Coach Phyllis Jones. She was phenomenal. She just mentored me. She just loved me. You know, I'm from inner city, you know, so there was a lot of things that I had to come up against. Uh, my, my mom and dad never married. My grandma was taking care of me. My mom was trying to help out with me. Everybody was trying to raise. It does take a village to raise children. My granny, she did everything she could. They did put me in a really good, strong Christian education. Um, I went to um, a school called Faith Christian School from first grade to seventh grade. And Mrs. Miller, my second grade teacher, man, she used to look at me and be like, Lenise, one day you're going to do something so big, so phenomenal, something so big, you're not even going to be able to handle it yourself. And I would just be sitting there like a second grade little kid, like <laughs> picking you, you know, yeah. just kind of looking around, not knowing what to do with yourself. Okay. If you guys could see me on this end right now, you would be hilarious because you know what second graders do, yeah. right? They yeah. stand there and they pick their nose and yeah. they look around. Second graders, I love you guys out there too. You're phenomenal. Okay. For Listen all of you to listening. Your, yeah. For all you second <laughs> no, but honestly, um, you know, that's just kind of like, <laughs> you know, buddy, we, people got to learn how to smile, have fun. Oh, yeah. You know, so, yeah. How long did you coach at Martin? I was at Martin two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. So you coached against Tennessee Tech. I did. Did you coach against Bill Worrell? I did. You did. As a matter of fact, Tennessee Tech was my scouting report. Really? They were my scouting report. So how did you scout Bill Worrell's Golden Eagles, Golden Eaglettes? Coach Worrell, I absolutely love you. You're my state farm insurance. I just gave you a plug is with you. <laughs> well, when I was living, you know, when I was listen, living in this area. Listen, Coach is phenomenal. He's genius. He makes coaching so simple. Yeah. We listen, we would be right running all these different we had to see all these plays and all this other stuff. I love his scouting reports because it really was so simple. Two, three zone. Yeah. You know, he paid, He played the zone. Yeah. I love when I got them. I hated when we got Sanford, man. They did yeah. that Princeton offense and you right. had to learn. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I can't stay. So I never got that scouting report. The other gentleman did who I was coaching with at the time. He uh-huh. was so super at that. Give me the 2-3 zone, baby. Yeah. I want the fundamentals, the foundational stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so that's the, that was my area. That's what I enjoyed doing. When, when we got ready to coach UT Martin, only thing I could really tell the girls, you got to be tough. If I'm not mistaken, what was the young lady? Was it Christian? Christian? Emily Christian. Emily, oh, my goodness. Now Emily Hughes. Listen, uh, Emily um, out there, you were like the Shaquille O'Neal back then, man. What yeah. could we do with you? Nothing. Yeah. When she get the ball, your history. So yeah. all I would tell them, just don't let her get the ball. The, in, you know what yeah. I mean? Seriously, like, post. don't give her the ball, that's man. Right. Like, that's the only thing I would say. So we would go over each player. I'd be like, and my goodness, Kendall, you know? Yeah. Kendall Cavan. Like, yeah, but she's Maxwell now. I know yeah. that too, see? So when was that moment that you decided you didn't want to coach anymore, but you wanted to teach instead? Was there an aha moment where, you know, you're you're coaching at Martin, you're playing, you know, you're trying to win an OVC championship, and all of a sudden you're saying, you know what, 
I want to be in the classroom. I, I don't want to coach anymore. Was there something like that? that there happened? was. As a matter of fact, one thing I want, you, want to encourage all of the people, especially like the younger ones, everybody wants to be a coach. Okay. It's, it is mm-hmm. a beautiful job, but you about to, you about to find out what w- real work is. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about nine to five, five to nine, nine to 18. If there's a number that we haven't even heard of, you're working all around the clock. And I got burned out. I'm just going to be honest with you. I wrote a book. Yeah. It's called Coach, There is Hope, Avoiding Stress and Burnout from the Things You Cannot Control. There are things you just can't control in coaching. I mean, you can have it planned out, worked out, scouted out, and then boom, something else will come up. You see what I'm saying? And so kids decide they want to do different things. And so I just got to a moment where I was like, you know what? I need to invest in myself. I got to treat myself better than this. I'm not resting. I'm not being with my family. I'm not. And I just realized this is is just not for me. There were some other transitional things that were happening, some other opportunities that came available for me to do some things in ministry at the time. Um, My pastor at the time would offer me to be the pastors of females at a church. So I was like, I'll go into, I'll do missionary work. I'll do whatever. I want to be able to give back. That's my core who I am. So I really got out of it originally for the intent to go into full-time ministry. And then this opportunity at Tennessee Tech came available too. So what motivates you? Jesus Christ. He motivates me. All right. That's just me. I'm not knocking anybody else that believes in whoever you believe in for me, just for me. But it was not always like that. It was in 2001 when I lost my mom, my biological mom in 2000. And then 2001, two months and one day later, I lost my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And when I lost my par- my mom, I call them my parents because my mom and grandma were both my parents at the same time sure. um, during that phase. Um, I was at a lonely state and um, God opened up an opportunity for me to go work at uh, Florida A&M University. Mm-hmm. So I worked at Florida A&M University and I went down there. I knew nobody. I went, it was a graduate assistant position. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. But I went to this phenomenal church and this little couple. They just took me up under their wings and loved on me and cared so much about me. And I remember the mom. Her name is Leslie Collier. She used to see me go put my offering. She said I would look to the right and look to the left and sprint, almost knock people down, put my offering and go sit back. So I was just back in 2001. Yeah. So I went through a tough season and I just, I got tired of being wore out for trying to help people, yeah. trying to like help programs, like help people like be great. But people were like, too, they couldn't handle me. It was like, oh my gosh, she like, my mind, I'm just be honest with you, buddy. I think 10 years ahead. Mm. I've already, 10 years ahead, my mind is already there. I wake up, I got stuff by my bed. I write. Last night I was up. The night before last I was up writing. I, I, that's just how I've always been wired, you know. I mean, so that's you know, Jesus Christ motivates me, and um, He keeps me motivation, not motivated. And when I need to take a rest, I take a rest. And when I want to t- say no, I say no. And when I want to say yes, I say yes. All right. Well, we're talking with Lanice Rosemond. Coming up next, we'll focus on uh, what it means to be a golden eagle as we visit with Lanice some more. Our conversation with Dr. Lanice Roseman continues as we talk about what it means to be a Golden Eagle. Now, Lanice, you've talked about uh, having a dream, and it wasn't just a cheeseburger or the pizza that you ate. <laughs> that you had a funny. dream about being a Golden Eagle, and now you are a Golden Eagle, and you've been one for 10 years. And you like to talk to students about what it means to be a Golden Eagle. So let's hear it. What's it mean Man, to be a Golden Eagle? I'm telling you, like, how can you contain a Golden Eagle? It's like you can't even define this bird. Yeah. I try to. I've tried to even define the, the golden eagle. I mean, there's a definition. Heck, you can go on Wikipedia. I've looked this bird up on Wikipedia. You go to Dollywood and see it. That's what I'm saying. And let yeah. me tell you something. When I go to Dollywood and I'll look at the golden eagle, I'm telling you, that is the highlight. Outside of the leather hat shop that's right across yeah. from the eagle, I always go get me a leather hat. I got the red one. I got the black. And the, I mean, I love the leather. Dolly, if you ever listen to this, I love that. <laughs> 
Make me a golden eagle, purple and yellow one, Dolly. Anyway, yeah. listen. Um, yes, when I go there, Dollywood, I actually sit there and I enjoy the the uh, the shows. As a matter of fact, my department chair, Dr. Christy Kilman, mm-hmm. she and I, we go and her daughter, we 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 go to we we have season passes and yeah. we would go up there and we would watch the Eagles show and they would look at me and I would just be so happy. They know how much I would just be like so in heaven. <laughs> I just love the. I'm telling you, I yeah. do. And the Golden Eagle, nothing's better. I can't really define the Golden Eagle, but I can say, what does it mean to be a Golden Eagle? It means passion. It means vision. It means uh, opportunity. It means excellence. It means soar above, think above, think high. It means take the higher road. It means go go the extra mile. Mm. You know, it yeah. means it means so many different things. You know. It just means so many different things. And when you're, when you're teaching your classes and, you know, you're talking about different things, do you ever just bring that up? Do you challenge your students and, and tell them what it means? Because I know, you know, like you said, you're a motivational speaker. And, you know, I'm sure that you talk to some of the athletic teams at some point. Matter of fact, I just did it yesterday in my sports ethics class. I think I had like 20 football players in there. Yeah. I mean, I had them standing. They looked like they was just about to lace up. That's what I do. Yeah. You know, when we talk about, say, you're not you're not a chicken, you're an eagle. You th- they know that. I see students around campus, they'll go, buck, buck, buck. And we'd be laughing, they go, but I'm an eagle, Dr. Rose, and they just start flying. They're like, I'm an eagle. I mean, I saw a student graduated, I saw him up in Nashville. He said, Eagle, they know that's what I stand for. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm an eagle, they're an eagle. So I mean, yes, every my teaching is about the eagles. I'll stop through my lecture and go, Come on now, what am I doing? You being an eagle. Now, what is that? I don't know. Might be a chicken. I'm just saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's my foundation. People know. A lot of things we've done on, on campus, Dr. Lori Cruz and I, you know that. Yes. That was soaring high. Yeah. That's been my little, that was my little title for everything I've done. I did a presentation. Everything I do when I represent Tennessee Tech has got something to do with soaring. It's got something to do with soaring. And I know now, like, soaring is such a popular word around our campus now. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, that's what I've been doing. I've been telling our students to go soar. I have the eagle talk with them. And listen, you don't want to be a bronze eagle. You want to be a golden eagle. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on. And you don't want to be a statue. You want to be one that's actually soaring. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> so you've been at Tech for 10 years. Yes. You say that you... You have a mind that looks 10 years ahead. Mm. Where's Dr. Rose's mind 10 years from now? Wow. You know, buddy, honestly, I know where I am. I just can't tell everybody. Yeah. I'm be honest with you. I just can't. I see where I'm going, though. Only thing I could tell you, it is so big. My My mind is so expanded. Sometimes I think you just get to a place where you just, uh, I don't know, you just go, wow. You have like, they call it an aha moment. Yes. And for me, it's just like you said something. I just had an aha moment. You said it. Yeah. You said you've been here 10. And what was the other thing you said? Yeah. Where do you see yourself in 10 in years? 10. You said 10 to 10. I mean, yeah. that's an aha moment for me. That makes me go back tonight, buddy. It makes me think I got some thinking to do when I go back home tonight. That's what, that's how my mind's wrapped. There's never an end to anything. It keeps going. It goes, it goes from glory to glory. You know what I mean? Right. Glory to glory. So, Ten years from now, all I know is I'm gonna be going from glory to I'm gonna be going from glory and I'm gonna be going from glory and it's gonna keep on going. Yep. You look at the the ladder that you've been climbing. You know, you played basketball. Mm-hmm. You coached basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you you teach. Uh, you know, you've got your doctorate. You've, from an educational standpoint, you know, you've reached the pinnacle of being a doctor. So, do you ever 
look back and say, you know, I might want to coach again. You know, I might want to, you know, get back into that because now the things that I've learned and I've accomplished, I might be able to handle that stress and I might be able to to do some things differently now yeah. that I didn't before. Yeah, that is a great question. If you would have asked me that question about seven years ago or maybe even eight, maybe even nine, I probably would have still been struggling with answering. Mm-hmm. But I think as long as I'm doing something that has to do with empowering people, it don't even matter, especially young adults, like yeah. our college age students. I go, how do I feel about you? You love me, Dr. Rose. Good. <laughs> even when I have to get on, but why are you late for class? I'm closing the door. Goodbye. Yeah. You're not coming in. That's the rule. They got to learn. Right. You know what I mean? They'd be like, yeah, she loves me though. You know what I mean? Sure. And so my thing is, is that, um, no, I do not have a desire to go back into coaching college basketball. Maybe 10 years ago, definitely 10 years ago, I struggled. You know, I was like, I know I got to leave. So I left. I got all of it. I was going to go help ministry. Go save the world. You know, yeah. all that type of stuff. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'll make a true confession. I wanted to be the first woman to be able to coach men's basketball um, at the college level, which I would not have been able to break that record because the athletic director down at TSU, she had already done it. Right. But I wanted to do it full time. baby. Right. And I was like, man, I could do it because I used to coach boys basketball in high school. Sure. So I was like, this is I want that was my confession. I was like, OK, when she broke that, I was like, all right, I want to be the first one to coach in the NBA. But then we got a girl who did young yeah. lady who just recently <laughs> did it. And actually, if I would stayed with that goal, I think I would have I would have been broke. I think I would have broke history in that yeah. eventually, especially with the NBA. I think I would have with the contacts and things and God's blessed me to be able to have. I think I would have had an opportunity to be like assistant coach. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think I would have had an opportunity. I did talk to a guy who was a big time coach. I ran into him when I was coaching. And I just said, hey, coach, you know, when you go to these coaching clinics, you get one little minute to get a couple right. seconds. Yeah. I said, can I ask you something? So would you ever hire a woman? I said, absolutely. He said, if she know how to coach the game, I mean, I'm just asking her to coach a game. I said, okay. I said, I'm thinking about it. He's like, seriously? He said, take my card. I said, all right. And I walked away like, hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But not no, good. Yeah, not no more. I think what I'm called to do is help coaches because they need a lot of help with a lot of things. I'm, I'm more in administrative capacity. So coaches call me now. Some ones that work at NAIA, ones that work in big time, the big ACC. Right. I've had a few. I'm, I met a, a coach recently. I won't say it because you guys will know it. But, but you know, they, they were like, hey, would you help me with this? Asking advice and different things like that. And um, it's just great. Yeah, I like the capacity that I'm able. I'm in now. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, you're listening to Local Matters. I'm Buddy Pearson. We're talking about coaching with Dr. Lanice Rosemond. Since you've been in coaching and you've been out of it now, what are some of the – simple mistakes that you see new coaches making these days. Yeah. Wow. There's so many. I I don't even know where to start. That's why I wrote that book. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you something. My favorite coach is Coach John Wooten. Mm-hmm. I love him. He made it so simple. Yeah. He never talked about winning. Just the process. <laughs> That's it. And, I, and it's so funny. I see myself. I wish I would have had a chance to meet um, meet coach. I would. I would, wish I had an opportunity to sit down and talk with him. Actually, we showed a video in my sports ethics class on him, a 15-minute um, YouTube video yesterday. And, I mean, it was just phenomenal. And I even asked the students. I said, when the video went off, I said, can we just give coach a moment of silence? You know what I mean? Yeah. He's the greatest. I don't care. Hands down. I know people breaking records and all. He right. is the greatest coach for me and my, my ethical code. Mm-hmm. And – I would tell young coaches, be more concerned about the athlete 
whole being instead yeah. of just winning. You know, you get a window with them to make a difference. Make a difference in a positive way. That's all. I would, it's real simple. That entails a lot of different good decisions in between there, but that's what I would tell them. Well, you know, nowadays you equate uh, winning with success, mm-hmm. uh, and you see some of these coaches that are doing anything they can mm-hmm. to win. And, you know, the scandal that's you know been breaking about uh, high-level college basketball coaches, you know, involved in – and, uh, you know, terrible activity, but it's all to win. So what is the ultimate goal? Yeah. The ultimate goal is did I make a difference? I Even though I didn't stay in coaching for long, mm-hmm. when I got out, I knew I made a difference. I'm so at peace. That's why I could let it go. Yeah. I see my students doing different things or playing. I coach boys and girls. I coach different sports, track and field, volleyball. They're doing phenomenal things, you know, Um I think to be able to lay back, even me being an educator, this is my 20th year teaching. I started teaching in 1997. I can slip back and I can rest. If I left education today, I can be at peace because I made a difference. I did what was right to the best of my God-given ability. I haven't been perfect, but I've been I've been real close to doing is doing some great things, some things that are bigger than my mind I even thought I would do. So I think being able to lay back down to say back, wow, you know, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. I think anybody wants to be able to feel like they did the right thing. Somebody sure. to retire or they, 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 they had a good name. They yeah. weren't all jacked up and you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, I just, I just want to be able to do what's right and I want to make a difference and I want my students to go further than me and I'm, I'm going pretty far and I want them to like go past me, like supersede. We should be making an importation for the next generation. Is there any particular class that you like teaching better than any other class? Ooh. I love them all the same because I am the same way with every class because mm-hmm. I'm still – I bring who I am. Do you still hoop it up? Honestly, I don't. But I, I love um, – people ask me every once in a while. I might walk through. I say, hey, if you do that cut one time, one there, or if you get a little lower, I'll just give a little quick instruction. I really like the administrative part of, of basketball, the game now, like really kind of like psychologically looking at how coaches behave – personality disorders or lack thereof, ways that they can help athletes get the best out of them. Yeah. Um, so I don't lace up, but I will go work out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I will be getting ready to go back and work out. Like my plan is by the end of this year as I'm focusing on my dad to get back in the gym. And I love exercising. I love running. Actually, I was better at track and field than I was basketball, but basketball got me the scholarship. Yeah. Is today's student athlete different than the student athlete 20 years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, it's more selfish now. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's more about what I can do, how much money can I make. When those guys were making, you know, $30,000, Earl Lloyd is my godfather. Okay, I'm standing on record. I spun it out of his house. I could call, his, call mom and prove it right now. Yeah. So some people throw names out. Right. He was the first African-American NBA basketball player that played. And, you know, we, we had uh, Chuck Cooper. Chuck Cooper went to my high school. George Westinghouse High School. Yeah. So, I mean, I come from good stuff. You know what I mean? And Mr. Lloyd, he, we would have these talks. You know what I mean? And it's just amazing some of the things that he would say, you know. Um, and we had the same conversation. And he would, he was like, nah. He's like, it's definitely different. You know, when he was making, I don't know, and some of those guys back then, 20000 40000 These guys right. were debating over, should they make another $17 billion, zillion, million dollars? I'm like, <laughs> do you love the sport? Seriously? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that instills a poor, it just a poor mentality, a poor rich person mind. What I mean by you can be poor and rich at the same time. You can mm-hmm. be poor in, in your spirit and you can be rich in, in your natural thing. I just think it makes it gives a poor image of kids and not realistic because now one on one million makes it to the NBA. 
Dr. Lindice Roseman, thank you so much for uh, motivating us today and sharing with us, and uh, we appreciate you having you on. Buddy, thank you for having me, and thank you all for listening.